Good afternoon, Believer's House. Compliments of the season to you. Merry Christmas, wherever it is uh, in the world that you're joining us from. For all of you that call Believer's House home, uh, we might not get to see over the Christmas period, so this is pretty much our Christmas. So uh, God bless you. I, I pray that this season will bring you good tidings of great joy, like, like the scripture says, in the name of Jesus Christ. And the rest of you that are watching from anywhere else in the world, uh, I pray that this will be a beautiful season for you as well, in the name of Jesus uh, we're so excited to have the opportunity to gather again this weekend online this way. Uh, I want to encourage you, like we always say, make sure you're inviting people to watch this uh, pre-launch online services that we're having. All you have to do is share the link with someone, all right? And in a moment, we're going to join Minister Kemisola Pearl once again, who's going to be leading us in our worship um, the, today, like, like they've been doing over the last you know, uh, few, few weeks. It's been, it's been October was, the, was when we started this pre-launch online services, and they've been helping us with that. So if you're out there and you're the one that God has been speaking to your heart, that you're supposed to be here helping us with our music, reach out to us and, and the Lord will bless you indeed in Jesus' name. Okay, so uh, after the worship session, I want to encourage you to try to engage with the worship as much as you can. Uh, okay, don't let anything distract you. And once you're done uh, sharing the link of the service, just focus on the worship and, and let your heart connect to God in that way while we worship God. And when, when we're done with that, I will be back to share God's word with you. Okay, I have a message that I believe God has given me for you this season. Okay, and let's pray and we will get into it this morning. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather together again today. We are grateful for the gift that is Jesus Christ. We thank you for this beautiful season. We ask, oh God, that over this service today that your presence will be manifested in our midst, wherever your people are, wherever they're watching from, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. 
His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's a way maker. 
forsaken God is a comfort. He's a way maker. His name is Jesus. His name is Yahweh. His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. Way maker. Way maker. Restore. His name is higher. Your word is unfailing. Your promises are unshaken. We give you glory, Jesus. We give you glory, Jesus. His name is high. Hallelujah. We give you glory, God. Glory be to God. Welcome back. The name of Jesus is the reason why we're here. The name of Jesus is the reason why there's Christmas, is the reason why, you know, there's a season at all. And this is a really beautiful season. You know, like I was saying a moment ago, it's a season of love. It's a season, it's a season of joy. It's a season of gifts given. Uh, there are so many things that we don't agree on in our world today. You know, there's, there's political divides, there's, you know, race divides and all sorts of things. But if there's one thing that we all agree on, it's that this season, <laughs> the season called Christmas, this holiday season, uh, as some people like to refer to it, is a season of love. It's a season of giving. It's a season of joy. And that's what I want to speak about today. And I want to, I want to just put some perspective to that for you. Because you see, as Christians, it's our responsibility to educate the world, to let the world know what this season is all about. Uh, because so, some people just, you know, have grown up understanding this in a different way, believing that this is just a holiday season, that people are supposed to give gifts, uh, people are supposed to share things, but they don't really understand what is the, the primary reason for this season. What is the greatest gift? that was given, that created this season called Christmas, called, called, called Christmas, Christmas, uh, which, is, which is what we are celebrating. Okay, so that's what we want to talk about today. Before we jump in, let's just take our confession like we normally do, all right? If you are there by now, you should know the confession, all right? So just say it with me. Say, every day and in every way, I am becoming more like Jesus. I am becoming more like Jesus. One more time, say, I am becoming more like Jesus. Say, in my thoughts, in my words, in my actions, in Jesus' name. Let's do it one more time. Say every day and in every way, I'm becoming more like Jesus. I am becoming more like Jesus. One more time, I'm becoming more like Jesus. Say in my thoughts, in my words, and in my actions, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we have come before your word again today like people that have discovered a great treasure. We thank you for your word today. We ask that you give us eyes that see Jesus hears that hear his voice, the voice of our good shepherd. Give us a heart that understands who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us. As for me, Lord, uh, that your word will come to me today through me unhindered and unchecked by any demonic interference. And that at the end of today's message, your people will be edified and your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So as I was saying, this is, this is a season of giving. It's a season of joy. All right. It's a season where everyone agrees uh, that, that we need to give. We need to, you know, you need to share with people. You need to, 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 to give, engage in, you know, love as it were, right? As, as people understand it. Uh, but we must remember that Jesus is the greatest gift. Jesus is the reason there is a season. Uh, and I'm going to come to that during the message, all right? Now, let's, uh, let's approach this, of course, from the Bible and, and start out here in the book of John chapter 15. Here's what it says in John chapter number 15 from verse 12. Uh, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. So the Bible says, greater love has no body than this, that, than a man should lay down his life for his friends. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus laid down his life for us. This was the greatest gift ever given by God uh, and by Jesus himself, because Jesus also had to be a part of this. He had to agree to lay down his life for us, you know, even while we were yet sinners. And, and if there is a popular verse in the Bible that everyone knows, whether Christian or non-Christian, it's John chapter 3, verse number 16. 
16. Okay, everybody knows that. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, it's one thing to give out of a lot that you have. It's another thing to give one thing that you have, to give your only son, uh, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And we know that the greatest uh, measure of love is sacrifice. You can't just say that you love. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Uh, because, you know, just imagine, I've been, I've been with my wife now for, for well, well over 13 years that we've known each other and we've been in a relationship. Now, if the first time that I told her that I loved her is the, is, the, is the only time that I've told her, or that was the last thing that I did, if I said, oh, you know, I just love you, yeah, maybe the first time she, she, she heard me say it, of course, it, it meant a lot to her, and it, it would be, you know, so exciting. But after a while, if, if the only thing I do is just to keep saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I mean, after a while, she's going to wonder, okay, where is the that? You know, so there, there better be a that after you're so loved. <laughs> so if you're, you know, you can't just be saying you love, so the proof of love is that you give. The proof of love is that you give. But we need to have a good perspective to this giving that we are doing in this season. Why is there a season? And how did this season come about? What was the gift that was given and what is our part in this to play? So like I said, we all agree that this is that season. Uh, even those who don't believe in Jesus believe that this is a season of love, all right? But it's our duty as Christians to let the world know why we celebrate. So what I want to share with you today is basically where we'll be attempting to answer three simple questions. Three simple questions. And those questions are this, number one, why do we love? We all agree that this is a season of love, but why are we doing this? Why do we love in this season? Number two, who do we love? So why do we love in this season? Who do we love? And then how do we love? All right, so these are the three questions we're going to be answering. Under each question, I'm going to give you three points. So you need to stay with me in today's message, okay? It's going to be quick, but that's why you have to stay with me because I'm going to basically breeze through a lot of things, all right? So we're answering three questions, and under each question, I will give you three reasons why we do that, all right? So let's answer the first question. Why do we love in this season? Now, that's probably the title of today's message. Why do we love? Number one, we love because he first loved us. So we're answering question number one, why do we love? We love because God first loved us, because he first loved us. That's why we show love in this season, okay? That's what it says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And later on, we're going to see in other scriptures that if we say we love him, then we have to love other people, okay? And we're going to get to that. So, but that's the premise. The starting point of our love is the fact that God first loved us through Jesus Christ. That's the beginning point. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. He didn't wait for us to become righteous. He, you know, we couldn't even have become righteous without him. So, but he didn't wait for us to come out of our sin or to even realize our sinful nature before he died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse number 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love. So love is something that needs to be demonstrated. God demonstrated his own love by releasing Jesus to bring us back to himself, to reconcile the world back to himself. And just by giving that one gift, Jesus, he has gotten every single one of us. The whole world is now a possible uh, son and daughter. Every, everyone in the world is now, is now eligible as long as they can accept the gift of Jesus, believe it in their heart and confess with their mouth. Okay, so let's, let's keep going. Number two, uh, we love because it is our new nature. This is the second reason why we love. We love because it is our new nature. It's our new nature to love. That's why we love. Here's what it says, 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is another very popular passage of scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love. So, you know, we quote this scripture, you know, to talk about fear and all of that, right? Which is very good. Uh, we, we can use it for that. But we need to understand that it also says that God has replaced that spirit of fear with a spirit of power, a spirit of love and of a sound mind. So the minute we came into the kingdom, God replaced that fear spirit in us 
put in the spirit of love there. So that is our new nature. That's our new nature. Love is our new nature. Romans chapter 5, verse number 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us at salvation. The Holy Spirit was given to us. And with the Holy Spirit came the love of God. With the Holy Spirit came the love of God. So we are partakers of that new nature. We are now partakers of the divine nature. And that's very important for us to realize, okay? Now, that's Second Peter chapter 1, verse, verse 4. That's where it says we are partakers of the divine nature. So we are, we, are, we, are, we are in point number three now, answering the first question. Why do we love? Because we are commanded to love. We are commanded to love. Jesus himself commanded us to love. Look at, look at what he says in, in um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. It says we should be imitators of God. So we imitate our father when we walk in love. We imitate God, who is our Father, when we show love to other people. So this is what Jesus commanded us to do. And love is also the proof of discipleship. Love is the proof of discipleship. This is the one that Jesus himself said. Look at it in John chapter 13, from verse number 34 to 35. He says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this... All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So love is the greatest proof of discipleship. It's the greatest proof that we are disciples of Jesus. If we show love one to another, if we are showing love, and we're going to get to who are we supposed to show love to? We're going to get to that in a minute, okay? So you cannot claim to love God if you do not love people. There's no way, because we have said that because God loved us, we love him because he first loved us. But you can't say you love God if you don't love people. In other words, your proof of love for God is the love that you show to other people around you. The way that I can tell if you love God is that you are able to love other humans that are around you. The humans that you ordinarily don't get along with, that you can love them. People that don't see things the way you see things. People that don't see eye to eye with you. You know, the proof that you love God is that you can love those people. Look at it in First John chapter 4. First John 4 verse number 20. It says, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He is a liar. For he, for he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? How can you say you love God whom you have not seen if you hate your brother who you can see? So this is what the scripture says, that the proof of our love for God is our love for other human beings. So we've answered the first question. Now, let's answer question number two. Who are we supposed to love? Who do we love? Number one, we love the saints. We love the saints. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So it first says, let's do good to everybody, but especially to the people that are of the household of faith, the people that are Christians, people that believe what we believe, the people that belong to the family of God. Let's do good to them as we have opportunity. And this season is the biggest opportunity. Do you know more people giving during Christmas than at any other time in the, in the, in the, in the whole year? Like there's no other time. And I know this has been an amazing year for a lot of people, right? But that must not stop us from still doing what the scripture commands us to do. We're only sharing this and teaching this so that we do it with knowledge, so that our zeal is backed up by knowledge, so that we know exactly why we are doing what we're doing. We're not just, you know, going out, giving gifts randomly and doing things randomly. We look at the scriptures to see, you know, what are we supposed to do? Why do we do this? And then who are we supposed to do it to? And then how are we supposed to show this love? All right, let me give you uh, one more scripture here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 15. It says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul was saying he heard of their love uh, for 
their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love for all the saints. And we have said that saints are fellow believers. Those are the people that are called saints. You are a saint as long as you have accepted Jesus as your Lord. I know your behavior sometimes might not, <laughs> might not correspond with that, but you are a saint. As, long, as far as God is concerned, that's what you are. You are a saint in the eyes of God because you have been redeemed from death to life. You have been brought back. You are seated together with Christ now in heavenly places. That's your heritage in Christ. Okay? Uh, number two, we love the lost. So we're talking about who do we love? Number one, we love the saints. Number two, we love the lost. We love the lost. And who are the lost? The lost are those who are far away from God. Those are the people that, that the Bible refers to as the lost. Okay? And let's, let's look at that in Scripture. It says here, Luke chapter number 6, from verse 31 to 33. It says, And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? If you, are, if you love only the people that love you, there's no big deal in that. That's what he's saying. For even sinners love those who love them. Sinners do the same thing. So it's not a big deal. If you're loving only the people that love you, that's not a big deal because sinners do that. But what are we supposed to do? He says, if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So we are supposed to love the people that cannot love us in return. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to show love to people that, that ordinarily they can't repay us. All right, that's the, not uh, showing love as a strategy. Uh -huh. Not as, you know, like a, an organization's, uh, a part of an organization's strategy of s sending out gifts during Christmas so that those people that they send gifts to, can, they can retain them as clients or they can seek favors. Uh, you know, that's, that's okay in that, in that way. But as Christians, our own way of giving is not uh, uh, giving to get in return. Uh, so that you are giving to people that you know that they can, you can now use that to blackmail them later into giving you a favor. You are supposed to do good to the people that cannot even repay you. People that you know, don't even, they, they, they don't even have a way of paying you back. And, and that much is obvious. Those are the people that we are supposed to show, we are supposed to show love to in this season. Especially the people that are, are far away from God. Because God wants to use us as a, as, a, as a means, as a channel to reach those people. So while we're showing love to fellow Christians, we must remember the people that are lost and not wait for them to come to God before we show love to them. I'll talk about that more in a minute here. It, it may be easy for us to love fellow believers. I know that there are some believers that you know, are tough to love. I understand that. But generally, it's easier to love fellow Christians because you already think the same way. You, know, you already believe the same thing. But how about loving those that, that we, are, we are really called to love the lost? That's the, that is the most challenging part of this thing, is the people that don't even think the way we think. Their worldview is completely different from ours. They don't even know the simple things that we talk about in the Bible, all the you know, things that we think that everybody knows, and, and Christians are very good at that, where you think that because you have grown up in church, everybody else should know what you know. But that's not always true. And we always say this, that Jesus is the reason for the season. And at the start, I was careful to tell you that Jesus is the reason there is a season. But do you want to know what the reason for the season really is? It's not really Jesus in that sense. The reason for the season is the lost. That is the reason for this season that we are in, is the lost. Because Jesus himself said it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 11. He says, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Jesus said this himself, that the reason why I came to the world is to save that which was lost. In other words, if there was no lost, there would be no reason for Jesus to come. You know, so Jesus is not the reason for the season. The reason for the season is the lost. So this is the, the, the time where we should invest in reaching out to the lost, in reaching out to the lost around us, to our neighbors, and not stay away from, from, from people because they, they don't believe what we believe. Why do you think that unbelievers and sinners were so attracted to Jesus? Go and check it out in the Bible. They, they were so attracted to Jesus. Jesus was always found around unbelievers and sinners. They were attracted to him because Jesus treated them like people. He didn't treat them like sinners. Jesus never treated any unbeliever as a, as a sinner. In fact, he was, more, he, was, he was harder on the Pharisees and the religious leaders than he was on the unbelievers. So they were, they were always around him. Look at it. Look at Mark chapter number 2. Here's what it says from verse 16 to verse 18. It says, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Because they couldn't comprehend it. They wouldn't do that. So they were wondering, How is it that this your, your master is always eating with sinners and tax collectors? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well 
have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So fellowship was, was Jesus' first step in evangelism. That was his first step. You will never see Jesus just carry his Bible on a Saturday and go out and just be going to random strangers and be talking to them. No. He always created a rapport with people first. He will go to their house. He will sit down with them. He will eat with them. That's why we, we, we are going to be very big on this thing called lifestyle evangelism. Because, you see, it's the most effective form of evangelism. You can't just go on the street and talk to a random person that you have never, never, nothing. I mean, if, that, if the person just gets born again, it's because God, just in his mercy, just wanted that to happen. That's not a good strategy. Because people would, will always want you to, to minister to their felt needs first first, before they are open to listen to whatever it is that you have to say. So Jesus will go to people's houses, he will sit with them, he will eat their food, he will talk to them, he will do all of that before it now comes to the issue of, you know, them surrendering their hearts to him, right? And it's the same thing. And when he sends out people in twos, you know, the Bible records that, where he said, you know, people go out in twos. These were people that, that had come into his is fold from the community. So he wasn't sending strangers to go and meet strangers. He was, he was sending people that had come from that neighborhood, from that community, to go. He said, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He knew what he was doing. So he sent them to people that they already knew. That's why he said, go into their houses, eat their food, whatever they give you, eat it. And if anybody doesn't allow you to come in, then dust your, your sandals and, and go away. All right? So this was the, the, the strategy that Jesus used for evangelism. And this is one thing that we're going to be really, 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 really big on here. Like, you need to, you need to you know, set, it's almost like setting you know, targets to say, okay, these neighbors, I want to reach out to them. Number one, you start by talking to God about the people before you talk to the people about God. That's prayer evangelism. That's the first step is go to God and talk to God about the people before you go and talk to the people about God. When you have done that, then create a relationship with them. I will teach this one of these days, of these practical steps to evangelism. You set goals. You, you, you know for sure that this person is the person that I want to win to Christ next. And then you start praying for the person. You pray, and I've seen this work, even from my, my school days on campus. This is how a lot of my friends that God used me to win to Christ, this is how it happened. I set a target to say, this guy, you are next. And then I will start praying for him. I will pray for her. I will pray and pray and pray and pray. When I've gotten a release in my heart that the, this person is, is ripe, this person is in the place, then I will go and talk to the person about Jesus. Right? And that's not uh, uh, before building a relationship. I would have built a rapport. I would have, you know, spoken to the person a few times about normal stuff, about school things, about, you know, just normal things. We, even about soccer, about things that are not, you know, anything Bible. So that they can, they can, you know, develop a kind of likability for me, a likeness. Uh-huh. And they would have told me about their felt needs, I would have prayed about those needs. And they would have seen little things, little signs that God is with me. Before I now introduce the, the issue of Jesus to them, okay? So, I don't know why I went into that, but I believe that's, that's something that somebody needs, okay? So let's move on here. Now, we don't love what unbelievers do, but we love them. We don't celebrate their lifestyles, but we love them. And we have to be able to, to differentiate from, from the two here, okay? All right, so Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, it says, But God demonstrates his own love, we read this before, towards us, that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So sinners don't have to repent before we show them the love of God. Before, before we, we, we pray for them to be healed or before we pray for them to get good jobs. They don't have to repent. In fact, God is going to use that to draw them closer to himself. All right? Because most times, when, and that's why you see that it happens that when somebody who is a Christian and, and an unbeliever pray the same prayer, God will most likely even answer the unbeliever first. You know, because he knows that if the sinner, if the, if the, if the righteous person dies, he's coming to meet him. But if this dude who is a sinner goes, dies now, he's going to hell. So, so God is, we need to be able to prioritize and see what, where the heart of God is. In the midst of all our festivities and all our celebrations, you know, and, and safely gathering with our families and all of that, we, we must realize that this is what is on the heart of God. The lost, the unbelievers, the people who don't know Jesus, they are the reason for the season. And this is a good time to reach out to people. This is a good time to create rapport with families. This is a good time, you know, to pick the phone and talk to people. If you call anybody in this season, nobody will say, ah, why are you calling me? Even if you haven't called them in, in years, you know, because everybody expects that this is the season where people reach out to one another, people, you know, talk to one another, people love on one another. So let's take, make the most of this season. All right. Number three, who do we love? We love our enemies. 
So this pretty much covers everybody, okay? We love the saints, we love the lost, and then we love our enemies. We love our enemies because Jesus commanded us to love our enemies. I know it's, it's, it sounds difficult, but that's what Jesus commanded us to do. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter number five from verse 44 to verse 45. It says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Because this is what God, God does. This is, this is the nature of God. So that you can be the true sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Can you imagine if God was deciding um, um, how rain would fall or how snow, you know, where snow would land based on how good or bad people are. I mean, it would be a mess. So God sends rain on everyone. He sends sunshine on everyone. You know, everything that he provides in nature is for everybody. So that's the way, that's the way we should be. We should love the people that don't even love us. Um, we need to love, and this is very, this is, this is very difficult. I understand that, but it, it's not impossible. There's grace given to us because with every command that comes, that the Lord gives us, he has given us the grace to do that. And it's very important that we don't do to people the way that they, they are doing to us. We need to love those who not, who not only don't love us, but who, who actually hate us and are actively looking out to hurt us. These are the people that we need to, we need to look out for. Uh, you, you might want to take a look uh, later on at Luke chapter 6, verse 27, Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Luke 6, 27 says the same thing again. And Romans chapter 12, verse 17 is another one. So let's move on to the final question now. How do we love? How do we love? We've talked about, you know, why do we love? Who do we love? But how? How do we go about it in, in a practical way? How do we love people in this season? Number one, we love people in our thoughts. We love in thoughts. That's the first step. Philippians chapter 2. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. Philippians chapter 2 from verse number 3 to 4. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. It says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Do you see that? It says, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't, don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too. It cannot be, it can't get simpler than this. It, takes, it says, take an interest in other people. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. So other people are in your thoughts, but they are not in your thoughts in a competitive way. You are not competing with people. You, you are thinking of them as better than yourself. You are looking out for their good. You are looking out for their interest. This is what goodwill is. We must have goodwill in our hearts towards other people. This is a practical way that we love people. That's what the angel announced when Jesus was born. Luke chapter number two from verse 13, it says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. Goodwill towards men. That's one of the most practical ways. It might sound abstract, but it's actually practical. Goodwill inside your heart, where if you have an opportunity to do good to somebody who has hurt you, you don't withhold that opportunity. You don't drop back. You release it as though there is nothing, no animosity whatsoever inside of your heart. That's goodwill. That's what Jesus came to bring. Goodwill towards men, towards every single person, no matter what they've done to you. So in your thought life, you have to be careful to make sure that you are loving people in your thoughts. You're not thinking evil of someone. I mean... I mean, there are people that even think evil of, of a pre the president of a nation, that they can't stand watching him on TV. I mean, what, what has he done to you? <laughs> you know, like how bad can it be that you can't even stand looking at him? All right, so it's, it's not about that. So, and then uh, when people now offend you, you don't take it to another level. This is a season where you want to clear your heart of any kind of bitterness towards anybody, no matter what they've done to you, no matter what, what anybody has done to you or what anybody stands for, all right? You, it's too expensive. Bitterness is too expensive. You can't afford it. You cannot afford it. So you need to clear your heart of any animosity. This is the season of goodwill. And one of the other practical ways we love in our thoughts is to pray for people. Pray for people. You pray for people who may never even know that you are praying for them. This is another practical way that you can love people in this season. 
Loving people is not just the things that people can see. That's not the only way to show love. It's not just you know, going out and giving people uh, physical gifts. Those things are good, but that's not the only way to do it. That's why we're sharing three different ways that you can go about loving in this season. In your thought life and your prayer life, you can love on people. And when I say prayer, I'm not talking about just you know, prayers in your mind. I'm talking about actual prayers that you shut your door and pray for people. Pray for people who may never even know that you are praying for them. Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke chapter 6, rather. Luke chapter number 6 from verse 27. It says, but I say, to you, I say to you here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. This is the scripture that I wanted you to, to, to read later on, but I'll, rather, I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. <laughs> okay, let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. One of the easiest ways to forgive people is to pray for them. If someone hurts you and you are finding it difficult to actually forgive the person, one of the easiest ways to do it is to pray for the person. If you don't even know what to pray about, you can pray in, the, in, in other tongues. You can pray in the Spirit. Or just pray and say, God, let whatever this person does prosper. Whatever it is that you are wishing for yourself, wish it for that person. Say, Lord, don't hold this against this person. This is how to be like Jesus. Because this is what Jesus did. Don't hold this sin against this person. Lord, don't hold this sin against this person. Let this person go free of this. Bless this person. This is tough, but as you do it, you will, you will be re- You can't pray for somebody and, and still hate them. If you do this practically, you cannot do it well enough and still hate the person. It's, it's not possible. So this is why Jesus told us to do this. And Paul also said this, to pray for all men. He said this in 1 Timothy chapter number 2 from verse 1. He says, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. So this is one practical way that we can love in this season, is to pray for people. So pray for people. Pray for people that, and you don't need to tell them every opportunity and say, ah, you know what, I've been praying for you. You don't need that. It's to pray. There's so many times that I will, I, will, I will stand in my house, right, and just pray over the city. Pray for the Christian leaders in the city. I'll mention them by names. All the pastors of the different churches. I will pray for them one after the other. Just say, God, just bless these people. Bless them. Help the work of their hands. Their ministry, let it prosper. I don't have to now pick the phone and now start texting everybody. I've been praying for you. You don't need that. That's when you are, you are seeking favor now because of your, your prayer. So do it, and that's a sign that you love. It's not something that has to get commendation. All right? So that's very, very important to note. Otherwise, you have received your reward. That's what Jesus said. So when we do this, it's not to seek rewards. All right? So what's another practical way that we can love in this season? Number two, as we begin to tie up the message, we love people in our words. So we have said we love people with our thoughts and our prayers. Number two, we love people with our words, with our words. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 31 to 32, it says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So in this season, don't speak evil of anybody, no matter what they've done to you. If you cannot speak good of them, don't speak evil. Okay? That's one practical way to show love. That's what I'm teaching you today. That's a practical way to show love. Don't speak ill about If people are discussing something about someone, you know, about something bad about somebody, don't join them to say anything. All right? You are loving that person by doing that. Don't join them to say something, especially something that you, you don't even know is true, that you have not verified. Somebody said something about someone, you know, and you join them to start to say what they are saying without really knowing this person. This is not a Christian character. This is not the way Christians behave. And, and definitely this is not how believers in believers' house <laughs> behave, okay? So this season, you need to reach out to people with kind words, speaking kind words, and not speaking ill of people. Send an encouraging message to somebody. If you know somebody who's been going through a tough time this year, send them a, a, a card. You know, card, old-fashioned cards are still very good. You know, send, write something, you know, personal in need and, and, and tell them, encourage them, encourage them and tell them that God is with them. Tell them that it's not over. Tell them to hang in there. All right. Everybody needs encouragement. All right. Especially with a year like this that we have had. Look at what it says. Colossians chapter number four, verse six. It says, let your speech always be with grace, 
seasoned with salt. I love this scripture so much. It says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Let your speech be, be with grace. Let it be seasoned with salt. Let it be tasty. Let your words be tasty. Let people come away from being with you or being on the phone with you and saying, wow, I'm so glad that I spoke to this person today. Be an encourager this season. That's a practical way to show love, even in this season that we're in. So finally, What's the last way that we can show love? We love in our actions. We love in our actions. So we cannot just love with our thoughts and our prayers. We can't just love with our words alone. We love with our actions. This is where giving gifts come in. This is where doing acts of service come in. This is where volunteering of your time comes in. This is where, you know, doing practical things now, you know, action, actionable things, all right? All of those things are practical. Your thoughts are practical things because your thoughts create your words, they create your actions. So those are practical things. Your prayers are more practical than even you going out to do something, okay? So those are all practical things. Your, your words are practical things because your words can do more than, you know, they can hurt people in a way that you won't be able to repair. So we need to understand that all of these things are practical ways, but one of the most actionable ones is that is the things that we actually go out to do. You know, buy gifts for people, gifts that are meaningful, gifts that connect people to the person of Jesus, not just gifts, you know, for giving sake, but gifts that actually remind people of who the celebrant is, okay, in this season, all right? First John chapter number three. Look at what it says from verse 17 to verse 19. It says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? He's asking a very important question here. If you see your brother in need, and you say you have the love of God in you, and then you shut up your heart from your brother, how does the love of God abide in you? That's not possible. Then he says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So we go, go out of our way for people. We go out of our way for people as believers. We don't do just the bare minimum that is convenient for us. We're not thinking only of ourselves in this season. We're not required to die for anyone because we're not Jesus Christ. But we are required to go out of our way for people. You can't die for anybody. Jesus already did that. The Bible says, greater love has no man than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. But you can't do that. Jesus is the one who did that. But you can now show people what Jesus did. That's the greatest gift you can give them. And then beyond that, go out of your way for people. Reach out to people. People that you haven't reached out in a long time, reach out, reach out to them. Okay? We're not just concerned about ourselves and our family members. So I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you this week, before this season is over, all right? Before we, we see again, before the new year, Find a practical way, a practical way to show love to somebody. Find a practical way. You and your family come together and, and talk about it. What are we going to do, you know, to show love in a practical way to people this season? All right? And if you're out there, you don't know Jesus as, a, as, as your Lord and Savior, I'm so excited to introduce you to the celebrant. Jesus is the one, you know, that came. He's the one that came for the lost. While we are celebrating this season, it's Jesus. And he came for you. He came for you. Look, we read John chapter 3, verse 16, that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a very popular scripture. But I think verse 17 should even be more popular. Because God, he said he didn't come to the world to condemn the world. So he didn't come to condemn you. He came to bring you to himself, no matter what you've done no matter where you, you've been, no matter how your life has been, what a season to reconnect to the love of God, to reconnect to the love of the Father. So if you're there, you've never said this prayer. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Or you may have said the prayer in the past and you've drifted away from the things of God. You, you, you may even have just stumbled on this, but this is, this is a, a time of destiny for you. God orchestrated you to be here at this time, to be watching this broadcast right now. I want to lead you in a simple prayer and connect you back to the Father. If, you, if only you would say this simple prayer with me. It's a very simple prayer, but it's a very powerful prayer. All right, wherever you are, just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you to say it, please. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that God sent you to die for my sins. I confess with my mouth that he raised you from the dead on the third day. Say it again. Say, I confess with my mouth that God raised you from the dead on the third day. I receive you into my life today as my Lord and my Savior. I am born again. Say, I'm born again. Say, give me the Holy Spirit of God. One more time. Say, I receive the Holy Spirit of God today in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I rejoice with you. If you said that prayer, you are now a child of God. You are now born again. You are now a Christian. Welcome to the family of God. And if you said that prayer again, you know, because you just felt you needed to say it again after a long time, that's still good. Welcome back to the family of God. God never forsook you. He never left you. All right? So I want to encourage you wherever you are in the world. All right? If you're not in the city of Halifax or in Nova Scotia, anywhere you are, find a Bible-believing church. Find other believers that you can connect with there and be with and, and grow with and study the Bible together. Let them lead you to the next steps that you need to take. And if you're in Halifax, we will be so excited to welcome you to Believer's House. All right, for now, we're still online, but if you will send us a, a message with the information on the screen now, send us an email, okay, or, or write us in the mail. We will receive it, and we'll be, we will be glad to reach out to you and bless you with a few things that will help you on this journey. Okay, and I want to thank you. God bless you so much. Thank you to the rest of you uh, for staying with us up until this time. Thank you for always watching the services, uh, this pre-launch services that we are having online. It's been, it's been wonderful. The feedback has been amazing. I want to thank every single one of you. And I want to invite you to join us on Saturday nights, okay? Um, um, some of us do gather together on Zoom on Saturday night to pray together, all right? To pray and, and just to lift up our voices to God concerning this church and the launch of our church. This is a very important thing that we're doing and I, I want to invite you to be a part of it, okay? And uh, we're we are looking forward to January. We may be able to start doing it again in the auditorium. Now, the city uh, met you know, on, on the 16th and they released new guidelines. Now, we were hoping that those guidelines would be released in such a way that we'll be able to do our New Year's Eve service here. But the restrictions have been lifted, but not enough. You know, it's, it's still, you know, kind of, yeah, you can have this many people and we're thinking about it. What if more people than that show up? You know, what are we going to do? Are we going to turn people back? You know, or, you know, it's, it just makes the logistics of it a bit difficult and all of the social distancing and all of those different things. So we have decided that we will not have that this year, okay? And, and, and there's no problem with that. You know, I've, I've said it from the beginning that we, we have not even started. <laughs> Church hasn't started yet, so it's not a problem at all. We will, we will have many, many more New Year's Eve services by the grace of God. So I, will, I, would, I would find a way to still make sure that you, you get the message for the year. You know, maybe in January we'll, I will start with that, or, you know, we'll find a way around that. And uh, it will, I just want to encourage you, you know, to be with your family in that, in that time uh, and, and enter the new year in a prayerful way in a way that, you know, that God will lead you to, okay? So we would, we would be together in the new year by the grace of God and everything will work together uh, for, for good by, by the special grace of God. So we, we won't be meeting uh, for, for that. So this would, next Sunday is the next time we're going to be online like this together. And then on Saturday, we're going to be on Zoom. So, but hopefully in the new year, in January, we'll be able to, you know, start to do uh, uh, Saturday prayers right here in the auditorium once again. So I want to thank you once again. And um, on Sunday, will be back online to meet and God bless you. Until then, I, I want to bless you. Let me, let me pray for you this week. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for every single person that is under the sound of my voice. I pray for them this season, that this season will bring them great things in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that everything that, that 2020 looked like, whether it was good or you know, it wasn't so good, that this season will, will erase the thoughts in a way that will, that will be pleasant in the name of Jesus. If this season was, if this year has been good for you, those thoughts will be erased because this season will make it better. And 2021 will be even better than 2020 has been. And if 2020 has been a difficult year for you, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that what God is going to do in your life this season will erase the thoughts, meaning that it will take away every memory of 2020 that was negative because of the pleasant and amazing things that God is going to bring into your life if you believe it in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for you this week as you go the Lord is with you. No evil will come near you. No plague will come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone. God bless you. On behalf of myself and my wife, Dorcas, and all of us here at Believer's House, I want to thank you for joining us for this service uh, today. And I, I pray that God will be with you uh, until we see you again next week, Sunday. God bless you.